it's inspiration for you. We're enlarging worlds with growth stories. Listen your way. Tune in for fresh stories brought to you by Unit for Hosts. Join us for this week's inspiration for you. Welcome to this episode of Inspiration for You. In this episode, we will throw you back to one of our own unit for LinkedIn live sessions hosted by Mark Jeffries. Special guests for these sessions are well-known speakers from our own X4U event. Jimmy Wales, founder of Wikipedia, Lady Mary M. Dam, founder of I Am The Code, and our own Mike Etling. Together they will share their thoughts on the topic, the power of community. Happy listening! Hello there and welcome to this, the first LinkedIn Live session hosted by Unit 4. I'm Mark Jeffries, former TV presenter, former stockbroker, then in-event host, in-person event host, and now I guess because of the pandemic, TV presenter again. We have a particularly interesting guest lineup for you today. While they come from very different backgrounds, there is one topic where our guests share a passion and that is in building communities. So what better way to share this discussion than with the LinkedIn community themselves? That's you guys. Our guests can attest that the type of community you create will have a very big impact on everything that you do. So with that said, let's meet our guests. First up, we have Jimmy Wales, founder of one of the most popular sites on the internet, Wikipedia, and perhaps the godfather of building effective communities, By the way, interesting fact, the English Wikipedia site includes over 6 million articles and it averages 1,500 new articles per day. That's amazing. Jimmy, welcome. Very good. Well, it's great to be here, Mark, and uh, really looking forward to it. Very nice. And where are you? What city or town are you in? I'm just outside London in the Cotswolds. I normally live in London, but I'm hiding from the virus. That's that's the way. It'll never find you there. I'm also delighted to introduce Lady Mariam Jam, an activist, award-winning technologist, and founder of I Am The Code, the first Africa-led global movement supporting girls and young women in STEM subjects with the aim of teaching a million girls and women how to code by the year 2030. Quick fact, in 2017, our guest also became the first black woman on the board of the World Wide Web Foundation. It's an honor to welcome you, Lady Mariam. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We appreciate your time. Uh, and fi- where are you, Lady Mariam? I have to know where you are. I'm in Guildford in Surrey. Beautiful Guildford. I'm introducing now Mike Etling, CEO of Unit 4, an enterprise software company with a vision to change the people experience associated with enterprise software. Mike, welcome to you. And where are you? Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Um, I'm in Boca Raton in South Florida. All right. Well, enjoy the continuing summer down there. So, Mike, you joined Unit 4 over a year ago now with a very specific vision. What is that vision and how has that helped shape who you are as a business leader? Well, I think, Mark, when when you think about technology today, it has such a prominent role in business. In fact, you know, there's a famous saying that software is eating the world. And my version of it today is that software is saving the world. Um, particularly in in times of the pandemic. But you have to put people at the heart of software. And the vision and and the the interest I had in Unit 4 was the fact that we'd actually built software for people-based businesses, not for manufacturing or widgets or any of those type of businesses. We really focused on people-based businesses. 
And how you build ERP software when you focused on people is very different to when you focused on manufacturing. And I think in today's world, leaders have really got to ask themselves a number of questions. And, and the most important question for me, and I think it's almost 50% of leadership, is how do you create a sense of purpose so that your people you know, come to work and they find meaning and they find meaning in what they do all the time. <clears throat> and if you get that right, it's, it's half the game won in terms of being successful in a, in a business context. So we truly believe that through how we've changed the way we build software, how we focus on the people experience, whether it's a student or a citizen or an employee, because we service various markets from local government all the way through to higher education, yeah. is a very different and unique approach. And how you can create that purpose through software and how software helps enable that, that's what I think is so important today. Uh, so true. And I follow you on LinkedIn. And I know that community is very important to you. Could you define what community means to you? Yeah, I think community in today's modern software um, cloud world <clears throat> is really important. You know, if we go back to the old days of software, the early days, there were unfortunately um, something called user groups. And people formed user groups because software companies wouldn't listen. And you had to form a user group to go beat up the software company so they'd listen and kind of put what you needed in the software as a user. And what I think is really interesting in terms of how this world has shifted is that cloud companies don't have user groups. Cloud companies have communities. Right. And they build community and we build community from the start into our operating model and how we engage with our customers. So we want our customers to talk to each other. We want our customers to find their tribe and find their networks to share information and help each other with similar problems. We want our customers to put ideas forward through a community and vote on the ideas so that we know, you know what are the more preferred and uh, interesting concepts. So I actually think community is really important in today's software world. And, and I challenge any software business that if you cannot form a community, your longevity in this business is gonna be very short-lived. Wise words indeed. Lady Mariam, you've achieved some incredible things despite a very difficult start in life. One of the questions we actually received for you is what drives you to inspire young women? And do you believe that a person's passion can change people's lives? Absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for having me, uh, Mark. And, and Mike, thank you so much. I'm a great fan of yours and it's an honor for me to sit here. Jimmy is my teacher. Always, uh, everybody knows that. So thank you so much for having me amongst you guys. Uh, I think to answer your question, what drives me is where I came from as a child. And I think today is that I just want to make a difference. I just want to make sure I participate, I, I contribute. Um, I have a very sense of urgency. I've got obligation to do something because I don't want young girls to go through what I've been through as a child. So now we have connections. We have everything we need to make a difference in the world. So we just need to go out there and do it uh, because it's very, very urgent. We can't wait anymore. And there are young girls and boys growing up. Uh, if you want to make a difference in, you know, by 2030, at least 10 years from now, we need to really, you know, work together and make a difference. So what drives me really is, you know, I want to see change. 
but urgent change. I'm very impatient. <laughs> you are impatient, but okay, let me challenge you. 2030 is quite a long time to go. Why not make it sooner? Why not make it further away? Why that year? I think that year is very important. I'll be 56 years old, <laughs> so, so I'll be I'll be 56. And I, I think at the same time, we're aligning ourselves with the United Nations agenda. You know, people don't know at the moment the United Nations you know, is doing the global goal. This week is, is an important uh, week, especially you guys inviting us. Uh, you know, it's the 70th anniversary of the United Nations. The global goals are at the heart of everything we do. We need to start serving humanity, accelerate humanity. As, uh, as Mike said, we can't do anything without people anymore. You know, what all of us we're doing is at the center of humanity. And I think the sustainable development goals, everything we're doing is actually accelerating humanity. And it's really serving as a blueprint for us to go out there and say, we want to make a difference. But data counts, you know, I'm a data person. So I think that if you really give yourself a target and a goal by 2030, we can all celebrate. In 2015, we celebrated. In 2000, we celebrated. 2030 is a big year for us to demonstrate that actually data matters and the girls matters. Fabulous. A very valuable blueprint. Thank you so much for that. Jimmy, time for you, sir. You probably built one of the most successful communities in the world. How do you create a movement like that and inspire that passion and people to get involved? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing for the whole world of the, the Wikimedia Foundation, the Wikipedia communities, is the values and the purpose. So, you know, Wikipedia began with a very simple idea, and that's for all of us to imagine a world in which every single person on the planet is given free access to the sum of all human knowledge. That's still our core purpose uh, today. We have certain values uh, in the community, uh, neutral point of view. Wikipedia tries very hard to be neutral. Uh, we shoot to be a quality encyclopedia, so we're always debating the quality of sources and uh, how do we know these things are true and, and things like that. Of course, it isn't perfect, but we do have a spirit in the community of no personal attacks. So at least, and, and we're human, so we don't always live up to that. And people get mad at each other and things like that. But <laughs> at least with those values, we have a certain set of reference points that allow us to, to move forward in an effective way. And I think this is very different from your typical social media, which is really kind of a wide open free speech zone where you're supposed to just spout off whatever you think and your ideas and people end up just yelling at each other all the time. And we try to be a little more slow and a little more thoughtful, a little more reflectful. But that does mean then we end up with a stronger community because we have a set of shared values and a, and a shared purpose. And if you can retain those values, you're 100% right. There is so much strength there. But let me just dig a little bit into what you just said. When you see what is happening in much, not all, but much of social media, uh, some of the, um, the, the kind of distrust so much of the fake facts that are out there, but most importantly, how people seem to turn on each other. Does it make you feel that there is a way through that has a, a kind of a more pleasant ending? Or do you think we're heading down a bit of a dark hole and the likes of the Wikipedia community can show us how to get out of that? Well, well, I, I do think we've, we've been going down, down a dark hole and I'm trying really hard. I've got a new project called wt.social, uh, Wikitribune Social, which is really all about Let's try and rethink what does it mean to use the internet socially? What, is it, what does it mean to have a healthy space online? It's a pilot project. I don't have all the answers, but I do hope that we can kind of reflect and say, you know what? Some of the current things out there aren't really working uh, for us. They aren't really producing the benefits that we had hoped. And therefore, it's time to rethink and, and reevaluate and, and rebuild. 
Jimmy, you said you don't have all the answers. I'm disappointed. I was told you did have all the answers, but never mind. Mike, I'm coming back to you. During COVID-19, I think it's it's fair to say that we all felt a, a sense of, I guess, isolation, sometimes even loneliness. Do you think this is going to drive a change in business and how business is done? Well, I think the, there's going to be a significant amount of change. And I think <clears throat> some change for the better. You know, I think what we saw through COVID, certainly in our organization, was um, people were incredibly resilient. We were very fortunate that we had the technology in place to, to go virtual almost instantly. We had been using tools like Microsoft Teams for a while, and we really were encouraging people just to hit the video button as opposed to having to get used to new technology. <clears throat> but, you know, we are 3D beings. We are not 2D beings. And, you know, two-dimensional kind of gets a bit flat <clears throat> after a while and, and get a bit boring. Imagine sitting in front of TV for six months. That feels a bit like what it's been. So just, you know, I, I think what's going to happen and what we've seen happen is that COVID-19 by far is going to be the biggest driver of digitization in 2021. So forget about the CEO or the COO, the COVID-19 is going to be the champion of digitization and organizations will go down that route. <clears throat> I think what we will see though is, you know, I did a, a customer meeting last week and it was my first one in four months and boy, did it feel good to be back in front of a customer live and, and in real sense. So I think we're gonna see more of a hybrid world. Yes, patterns will change. We're not gonna spend so much time on aeroplanes. We, you know, if I have 10 leadership meetings a year, I'm gonna do five virtually and five in person. Wow. So I think there will be a shift, a fundamental shift to a much more of a hybrid world, which plays to the strengths of both worlds. We won't sit on aeroplanes so much. I think people will, will create more blended kind of work, personal time flows in terms of their day. And I think this is all positive. And I think what it also has enabled us to do is to reach out to people more effectively. One thing I've noticed is getting meetings with people has been far easier. Right. And one can do it much faster over this period. Because it's, and, it's so easy now just to carve out 10 minutes for a meeting, whereas in the old days, the old days, that was half a day you'd have to commit. Yeah, and it's very hard for all the gatekeepers to be effective on digital, whereas in physical environment, you had all the gatekeepers to prevent you. And, I, you know, I see it with myself as well. People ping me on social media or WhatsApp. Can we have a quick chat? Yeah, sure. Let's jump on Teams now. But so I think careful, the, the world Mike, is going to what you wish for. We're on LinkedIn Live. You're going to get pinged a lot. Um, Lady Mariam, how far do you believe that COVID-19, as damaging and as distressing as it's been, has actually also, like Mike says, as a catalyst for some of the changes that were coming anyway? Uh, I absolutely agree uh, with Mike. And, I mean, what, that's why we're trying to build right now community-driven solutions. And I think COVID-19 has showed us that we are all the same. We're all looking for humanity. We're all looking to, to make a difference in the world. And especially the people we, we the technology uh, people, have really let people down, especially young women and girls globally. You know, right now, over so many, 750 million girls don't have access to education. And I've been banging on doors for 20 years and begging the 
UN people and all of these agencies, tech companies included, to give girls connectivity, infrastructure, content. And it took COVID-19 for all of them to start waking up and say, what will my girls do? Our girls right now don't have internet. Internet is a human right. And so they don't have internet connection, they don't have uh, infrastructure, they don't have content, even something to read and go on Wikipedia to read, they can't do that. So I think what Mike said is absolutely right. It's time for us to build a community-driven solutions give power to young people and young girls. That's why I'm so excited this week that we have Wiki SDGs. It's going to be amazing because we're going to do it and we're all going to get involved in uh, you know, up updating and editing the global goals. I want everyone to get involved in the global goals because this is the blueprint for humanity. If you, if you don't know about it, please get your business and your companies to understand what they are because you'll be measured on the global goals. And if you want to really make a difference and show impact in 10 years, please, please go and check it out. Brilliant. I think people will. And Lady Mariam, if you can hang on after the LinkedIn Live, even for a moment and add some details into the chat, I'm sure people would love that. Um, a question here has flooded in. Um, I'm going to aim at Jimmy first. How do you see machine learning, um, artificial intelligence and RPA on a people-focused platform? Are we making life so simple? Well, I mean, for us... Uh... You, you would probably be surprised at how little technology we actually use at Wikipedia. Um, there's no AI, there's no machine learning. We don't really even use algorithms to drive, uh, you know, what you see on the website in any way. Um, and in part, that's, that's, I think, an outgrowth of our business model, which is just people donate money if they love Wikipedia, which means we don't have the same kind of incentives to keep you on the site, keep you clicking, increase your time on site and so on and so forth. So for us, you know, certain elements of this, uh, so machine translation is more useful to us than it used to be, but we're still very far from just machine translating Wikipedia into different languages. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of, of machine intelligence around detecting vandalism and things like that that we think will be useful. Uh, but ultimately what we're doing, writing an encyclopedia is still a very, very human process. For sure. And Mike, let me throw that one to you as well. How far can machine learning and AI in general help in your goal, which is to create incredible solutions, but also to drive community? Yeah, Mark, I think, you know, I, I'm, um, I hate the buzzwords AI and machine learning because it's kind of often thrown around and it becomes the be all when it's not. Right. Um, AI and machine learning is only valuable <clears throat> if it enables human beings, the users, to be more effective and to actually spend more time on where you get your real sense of purpose from and not spend more time on administrative stuff. So, yes, we think AI and machine learning is really important in our applications, but in the context of how do you bring things to human beings. So if you think about COVID, <clears throat> one of the things which has all changed in COVID, if I go back pre-COVID, I probably spent 60% of my page, my landing page on my computer in a day was Office 365 or you know whatever email tool you used. Today, I spend 70% of my time on Microsoft Teams um, or somebody else could be Zoom. So in, in Teams, I have some buttons where in Teams pops up messages for me to go do stuff in my ERP. Yeah. So I think AI is going to help take us to, I, I see this world of what I call faceless ERP, where it's just going to be there in the background. And what machine yes. learning and AI will do will help individuals for 
wherever they are, whether they're on their phone or out in the road or sitting in front of teams, do what they need to do in a very seamless, prompted type fashion. And that's where I think it's going to be really, really valuable. Very nice. Thank you so much. My goodness, our time is almost up. Lady Mariam, I wanted to ask you, do you think organizations watching this right now can play a bigger, more powerful, more impactful role in attracting young people, especially young girls of color, into the world of coding, into uh, STEM, as it were? Absolutely. And I think that's why I'm trying to build the one of the biggest pipeline for the next uh, for the next 10 years. The society owes me right now. <laughs> so I'm building the next pipeline of girls who's going to be working for, for, for Mike, who's going to be coding. It's really important we understand this mission because we cannot leave young girls and boys behind. And we cannot build technologies where these people are just consuming. We need to create creators of tomorrow. And at I am the code is what we're trying to do. I want to make sure in 10 years from now, the girls who are 11 year olds today, they'll be 21 years old looking for jobs. So if they don't have uh, you know, technology, uh, digital skills, we're gonna be failing them again. So in our humanity, in our society, we cannot do this anymore. So I'm really calling for all the LinkedIn people, everybody's watching right now for the ERP solutions being built Young girls and boys from Kakumo refugee camps, wherever you are in the world, they need to be in the room. Please, please include them because that's what humanity means for me. Absolutely. So passionate, Lady Mariam. Thank you so much. Jimmy, I'm going to turn this almost the same question to you but with a twist. What's your view on the future of collaboration between business and the market, between tech and community? Yeah, I mean, I, I think collaboration remains the driving force for lots of things. And I think that as Mike has talked about, you know, this, this switch to what we're doing now, um, which everyone's doing for their work, opens up new ways and new, new ways of thinking about collaboration with, with partners, with customers, with suppliers, uh, inside organizations, and also between organizations. You know, it's one thing uh, to, do, to jump on a phone call and it's, it's another thing to do some email, but there's something more human about actually being face-to-face, -face, well, it's not as human as being three-dimensional face-to-face, but True. It, it's, it's closer. And I think people, you know, have learned a lot about how to collaborate in some new ways during all this. And I think some of those learnings are going to persist with us in a, in a positive way going forward. Without a doubt. Jimmy, thank you so much. All right, one minute left. Mike, I'm going to give you the last word. How optimistic are you about the future and all of the different opportunities that lie ahead? Um, extremely optimistic and you know and I would encourage everyone out there to be extremely positive and optimistic you know the human being has been around for for centuries and we've survived you know some uh, some worse things than where we are now and we didn't have the technology back in some of those uh, challenges which we which we've survived as a race so I'm extremely optimistic. I think technology puts us in a really interesting position in terms of where we can go with things. And, you know, having been born in and grew up in South Africa, Lady Mariam, I totally agree with you. You know, I have this expression which says Africa is the next Silicon Valley. So let's be positive. <laughs> We like that. Thank you all for taking part in this live discussion. Thank you.